Eddie asked me to preach, and then Matt gave me this sheet that had all these other responsibilities on here, like dismissing the, the kids to children's worship, so I guess I better do that, so you can head that way. And if you're here and you're new and you have uh, children in that age range, then you can just follow the crowd that way, and, and your children can go to children's worship there. Also, another aspect of our worship is, is to give. Um, Four ways to give that. Eddie always goes through all four of them. I'm not going to insult you and say you don't know how to read. So you can just look up there and figure out ways that you can contribute to the Lord's work here. And that is important for us to do. If you'd like, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. We'll be there in a little bit. Reading about the first church in Jerusalem. After graduating high school, I left home and I didn't maybe even realize how much I was leaving when I left to go to college um, because I never really went back. Um, the first summer I had off in college, I was with a drama group and so I traveled um, 19,000 plus miles that summer uh, recruiting for York College. So that was, that was a blast, a great summer. The next summer I actually went to home uh, I lived in my parents' house, but I worked 12 hours a day, six days a week, so I really wasn't home very much. And after that, I was, I was gone off into adulthood. Um, and so when I left from, to go to college, I really didn't, didn't realize at that point how much I was leaving. And since then, I've lived in 15 different cities in eight different states. For three years... The closest I, I lived to my family was a three-hour drive away. The most dramatic move was when I moved to Fairbanks, Alaska for the first time. And I say the first time because I moved there more than once. But um, So I left and I flew into Fairbanks and the temperature they announced when you get off the airplane was 40 below. It was January. It was dark. They had had record snowfall, and so they have these like big snowblower attachments. So along the sides of the highway were just six-foot walls of white, and it was almost like driving through a tunnel. Um, between the airport and the Air Force base that I was going to, uh, the northern lights were out, which I was in awe of. This it's like God finger-painting green neon lights in the sky. It was just gorgeous. Um, I was also in my early 20s. I was single. I had no vehicle. I was new to the military. And I was 3,500 miles away from everyone I had ever known. Yet, I was never alone. There were times I felt lonely. There were times when homesickness hit. But there was always the church family. There was always the church family. One of the first phone calls I made upon arrival in Alaska was to the local church and said, hey, I'm new in town and I need a ride. And immediately upon arriving that first Sunday, I walked in the door, somebody introduced themselves, um, and I said, 
told them who I was, and they said, are you new in town or just visiting? I said, I, I flew in last week. I'm in the Air Force. And they're like, come to my house for lunch. I was like, great. And I walked to the next person. They introduced themselves, and they said, are you new in town? And I said, yeah, I'm in the Air Force. I just flew in. They're like, come to my house for lunch. And I was like, who are those people? And they said, told me who they were. And I said, I've already scheduled lunch with them. They said, well, put me down for next week. And it happened again and again and again. And I left with seven weeks of lunches. I had a friend that lived next door to me in the dorm stop me one Sunday morning. I was on my way out. He goes, wait a minute, where are you going? And don't tell me church because you leave here at 9 o'clock in the morning on Sundays and you don't come home till 11 p.m. and I know you're not going to church that long. I said, well, I, I am going to church and then somebody, I'll go to somebody's house for lunch, have a home-cooked meal and we'll play cards or something and then we'll probably go to the gym and play volleyball and then we'll go back for evening service when... Churches still had evening services. And um, after that, we'll go to somebody else's house and we'll play some more cards. And yeah, I'll be home at 11, but, but I'm going to church. You want to come with me? And he said, I haven't had a home-cooked meal in over six months. I said, well, come with me. He said, I appreciate that, but food isn't the reason to go to church. I said, I, I understand that. You're welcome anytime. I had another friend that moved up to Alaska, sold everything they had. They had three kids. They didn't sell them. <laughs> they sold everything that wouldn't fit in a v their, their truck, and they moved to Alaska. And another friend of theirs said, man, you are crazy for doing this. And he says, why do you feel that? He goes, you're going to be up there all by yourself. He's like, I'm not going to be alone. I have family up there. He goes, oh, I didn't realize. Aunts, uncles, cousins? He goes, I don't know. I haven't met them yet. But there's a church there, and I'll have family there. We see this family aspect of, of the church in Acts chapter 2. I'll start reading in verse 47. I'm sorry. I'll start reading in verse 42 and go through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And we see this family type of atmosphere where they're taking care of one another's spiritual needs. And they're devoting themselves to spiritual practices and being unified in Christ but they also took care of one another's physical needs. And they met together daily, and they ate together with each other in their homes. It was Dante, I believe, who wrote, No man is an island. There's an old saying, I've mentioned it before, it comes from an African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. It is God himself, the creator of mankind, who said, it is not good for man to be alone. We were made social beings. 
We were made social beings. And yes, I know, you're sitting there going, don't talk to me, don't look at me, because you're an introvert. And introverts don't need people. Wrong answer. Even introverts need people. And the cool thing about introverts is if you want a really good friend, a friend who will do anything for you at any time, at any moment, find an introvert to be your friend. Because introverts have, they tend to have a less amount of friends, but the friendships they have are richer and deeper than some of us who are more people-oriented. But we are made to need each other. We are made to work together. We see this in our own lives and we see this through Scripture. Think of Moses and Aaron working together. Ruth and Naomi. David and Jonathan. As well, David had his 40 mighty men that he surrounded himself with. Jesus had thousands of followers, but he had those who he was closer to. He had 500 who he appeared to after his resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, there are 120 followers of Jesus gathered in one room. And he sent out at one point 72, two by two. And then there were the 12. The 12 apostles, those who were closer to Jesus. And of the 12, he had Peter, James, and John who seemed to be a little closer yet who went places the others didn't get to go. And of the three, there was a disciple who Jesus loved. It seems like John and Jesus were best friends. But Jesus was also a social being. We were created social beings. And even Jesus, who is God, 100% God and 100% man, even he needed social interactions And even Jesus needed encouragement. Jesus spent time alone on mountains. But he spent the majority of his time with people. In John chapter 6, there's a story I think that shows the humanity of Jesus maybe more than some of the other stories we see. And he he had taught a teaching that was hard to understand and many who had been disciples, left and followed him no longer. Jesus turns to the apostles and asks, do you want to go away as well? It's a question from a broken heart. It's a question of hurt And of sadness. It's a question from someone who needs to be encouraged. And Peter is usually this guy that blurts something out. And usually sticks his foot in his mouth. And says the exact wrong thing. And this time Jesus gets it right. Or Jesus Jesus always got it right. This time Peter got it right. And he says, to whom would we go? You, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. Good job, Peter. It's exactly what Jesus needed to hear. And this is why I believe we were created to desire social interactions because we 
need encouragement. We are created social beings because we can't do this alone. We need one another. We need to be encouraged. Unfortunately, sometimes encouragement can go the wrong way. Like with the Israelites. And they leave Egypt. And they're on the doorstep of the promised land. And their 12 spies are sent into the land of Canaan. And 10 were bad and 2 were good. Matt, we need to add that to the... No, we don't. Never mind. (laughs) Unfortunately, the ten spies that said, the land is great, but the people are giants and we'll all be killed, they influenced the people. More than the two that said, God is on our side. Let's go. The land is great. They all agreed that the land was perfect, was awesome. But the ten didn't think they could go in. We'll all be killed. We should just turn back. After the plagues, after the parting of the sea, after being fed in the wilderness, after water from a rock in the middle of a desert, after getting to the promised land, promised hundreds of years before, they're on the doorstep and they want to turn back and walk away. The writer of Hebrews mentions this story in Hebrews chapter 3. And he says, don't do that. Don't be like them. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways so I declared an oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Don't be like them. The day of wrath. You shall never enter my rest. That is an incredibly harsh reality. Don't follow their example. Don't be like them. None of you. Guard your hearts. Don't turn away. Well, that's, that's great advice, but how? Keep reading. In verse 13 comes the how. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, this encouragement isn't just a a pat on the back. It's not just have a good day, hope to see you soon. This is spiritual encouragement. This is spiritual life and death. This is eternal life and death. See to it that none of you have a hard heart that turns away from the living God. And this spiritual encouragement can come in positive ways and maybe in some warning type of ways. The positive can be keep going. You're doing great. I see your heart for people. And I know it isn't always easy. I appreciate your service to others. Even if you don't like me telling you thank you for your service to God, thank you. Because you set a great example. 
you inspire me to do better. Your life of faith shines through your actions. Positive encouragement for one another to continue doing good and godly things that we see each other doing. But it can also come in the form of warnings. I've noticed some troubling patterns. I heard the way you were talking to that coworker, and you really need to set some boundaries to keep in healthy relationships. I know it may, be, may seem easier to give up, but marriage is a covenant relationship that God values. Moderation might be something you should look into. I understand your passion for politics, but don't let that passion take you away from being godly. We need one another. We need encouragement. We need that positive encouragement to keep doing the godly things we're doing, and we need those warnings and that accountability for our ungodly actions. Take care that there isn't an evil, unbelieving heart in you that turns away from the living God. Instead, encourage one another every single day. The problem of turning away from God towards worldliness was not just a problem for the Israelites. It's not just a problem for those who were in the time of the writing of Hebrews. Still today, people are drawn away from God and towards evil and ungodly things, and none of us are immune. We all need encouragement. I heard a song as I was preparing this lesson. I'd heard it before, liked the song, but I heard it in a different way. And the chorus says this, Would you come with me? Oh, I need you to come with me. I can't do this alone. And society, it's putting scars on my body and it's got me acting so naughty. I'm far from my home. And towards the end of the song, the chorus is just repeated and it gets more and more desperate as it goes on. Oh, I need you to come with me. I can't do this alone. And it's talking about that struggle It's talking about being pulled away from godliness and and to the world. And to a life of, of, of negative consequences and pain. And we see that pain and we see the destruction and we see the negativity. But for some reason, we're still pulled toward that. And we need somebody to come alongside us and help us get back to home. Get back to where we belong. Get back to the godly lifestyle where blessings flow from. And yet sometimes we just feel stuck and trapped and pulled. And although we, need, we know better, I need you to come with me. Would you walk beside me? I can't do this alone. Because I need you. And you need me. And we all need one another. And the writer of Hebrews doesn't just stop in chapter 3. He, go, he circles back to this in chapter 10. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, 
We'll start reading in verse 22. If I can turn these thin pages. Oh, that says 19. I guess we'll start in 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, but encouraging, but encouraging one another daily and all the more as you see the day approaching let us draw near with a true heart let us hold fast our confession of hope let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds let us meet together to encourage one another notice all the us in there we're not doing this individually we're not doing this by ourselves we're doing this together collectively let us let us let us let us the very purpose of our coming together is to encourage one another to live for god to avoid the deceitfulness of sin not to turn away but to hold fast to faith and hope and to keep loving and showing our love for others through our actions and we do this collectively as a church as a family and as brothers and sisters friday some of the youth group climbed mount rosa nearly 17 mile round trip over 4,000 foot of elevation gain. And on the way back, I ask, how many of you, at least once on the way up, thought, we can stop here, and that'll be okay? Five of six, 83%, said they thought it at least once. Half of us probably thought, us, thought that half the way. Reese said, I wouldn't have made it halfway if it wasn't for climbing with this group. That's the power of encouragement. Cadence said, this is kind of funny, she said the thing that helps is having others along to encourage you. And the thing that hurts is you have others that keep on encouraging, encouraging you to keep going. <laughs> When you're doing hard things and others are encouraging you, it, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's painful, but it's worth it. And like climbing a mountain, the same is true with our walk of faith. It's not always going to be easy and sometimes it's painful. It gets difficult, but oh, is it worth it. Oh, is it worth it. Thank you for those songs, Matt.
When Cadence got home, she texted me a picture of a shirt her mom got her and said, the best view comes after the hardest climb. When we gather here together as a church body in this facility, sometimes it's hard to encourage. It's easy to sit and listen and learn. Eddie has a great way of breaking down scriptures. It's easy to worship. Worship is uplifting and encouraging. Thank you, Matt, for all you do planning our worship. The way we do communion at the tables, I greatly enjoy. You can sit and be contemplative if you want, or you can get up and mingle and encourage other people. That's a a great time. But there are so many of us Ken Whitelaw was out running one morning and Chris and I happened to be taking a walk and I had a York College shirt on and Ken runs past us, stops and says, how was Soul Concern? Or not Soul Concern, how was Soul Quest? That's, that's where we went. The problem is, I didn't recognize Ken. And, and I talked to him as if he was a complete stranger. I just thought he saw my shirt and was curious and asked. It didn't dawn on me that not everybody who knows about York College knows about Soul Quest, but so I'm talking to Ken like he's a complete stranger, and I'm sorry, Ken. Um, see, Ken and I both attend worship here, but, but see, Chris and I, we attend the, the southeast east side, And Ken is more of the north-central east side. And so there's there's the northeast side and the north-central east side and the south-central east side and the southeast east side. And it's just impossible to know everybody who's here. And sometimes we're all here and yet we're very far apart. And it's simply hard to know everybody. And so when it comes to encouragement, spiritual encouragement, this deeper encouragement than just patting each other on the back, I think, I think that's why life groups are such an important ministry of the church family here. It's a smaller group that you can get to know on a deeper level because we can't all know everybody. It's hard to truly spiritually encourage someone you don't know. You may scratch the surface, but you don't know where to focus. I once attended church for over four years with a couple that sat in a different section than I did. After four years, I found out that they had over 45 foster children in and out of their home over the years. And they could have used some very specific encouragement from me, and I just didn't know. I just didn't know them. We're part of the same church family. We worshiped in the same facility, but our paths just didn't cross. Well, once I got to know them, then I could encourage them in more specific ways. Encourage them to keep doing the good, godly things they were doing. And life groups are a way 
that we can develop these deeper relationships that can lead to more specific encouragement so that we can help each other hold on to our faith, hold on to our hope. We can spur one another on toward love and good deeds and we can help keep one another from being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sign up starts today. Some of you already have been out there. I encourage you, if you haven't been involved in life groups, go take a look. Be involved. Grow deeper relationships so that we can encourage one another better. We're going to enter into a time of prayer. If you're here today and you have some very specific needs you need encouragement on, our shepherds are going to be around the auditorium. Um, The prayer room is still open. Or if you're here and you know of somebody else that needs your encouragement, take this time to just go and talk with them, to pray with them, to encourage them. Let's all stand as we enter into a time of prayer together. Lord God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for designing the church to be a family. Lord, we need you and we need your grace. We need your love and we need your your mercy. But we also need one another. And help us to lean into that. Help us to be there for one another. To offer true spiritual encouragement, even in those times where it may be difficult to say what someone needs to hear or to hear what someone else is saying. Lord, we all want to live lives pleasing to you. We can't wait for that great day of resurrection where because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, your love, and your grace, we can enter into eternal life together. Lord, help us to strive for that, not just for ourselves, but for one another, and to truly spiritually encourage one another. This is our prayer through Jesus. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.